0: matthew twenty five and my hope is when I'm back in two weeks to start a a, a short series um, to close out August with and then uh, and then September we'll dive into something different uh, but and then this afternoon when we we'll start a new series as well we'll start the book of Joel uh, going through the book of Joel in our Sunday afternoon services uh here uh, until we're done with that so a lot of new stuff happening right now coming out of Missions Month. We had a good Missions Month. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, loving on the missionaries that came. Thank you throughout the summer for messaging the missionaries. And uh, Miss Leslie, would you mind pulling that door shut as well? Thank you. Um, and uh, just, uh, it's been a good month. I've enjoyed it. It's it's helped me. It's it's grown me and encouraged me as well. And uh, so, thank you for your part in that uh, also. Matthew chapter 25. Today I want to look at a uh, parable uh, and, and, and look at this idea of to each according to his own ability. Uh, let's look in verse 14 and 15 as our text. We'll look at the rest of it throughout the message. But starting in verse number 14, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is, a, is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods, and unto one he gave five talents, to other two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Maybe you've heard the, uh, the parable of the talents before. And we look at this uh, as a, a master giving to his servants uh, three different servants, uh, three different amounts. And to one it says he gave five, to the other two, and to the other one. And, uh, and then we're going to see what they did with them. And, uh, and really, we're going to focus on the, the one who only received one talent uh, here given to him. And uh, what we can learn from it. Uh, let's pray, and then, and then we'll dive into it. Lord, we do thank you for letting us come. Uh, we thank you for the responsibilities that you've given us as Christians. And uh, Lord, I know that oftentimes we fail Uh, but Lord, we also know that you're patient and that you're forgiving. Uh, And Lord, we know that there is so much more in our lives that can be accomplished with your help. So tonight or today, I pray that you would help us to uh, hear your word, receive your word. And Lord, would you uh, talk to us uh, individually where we need to improve, where we need to change, where we need to be encouraged. Uh, Lord, would you just uh, open our hearts today to receive what you'd have for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When God ascended into heaven, He left His, uh, uh, his work here on earth to the church. Uh, now it is our responsibility to carry on the ministry that Christ had while He was here. Every Christian has something to do. Uh, every single one of us has a responsibility, has a duty, has a job that we are supposed to accomplish, that we are supposed to be doing on this earth. Uh, the goods that God has left us, uh, where in this, this illustration, this parable were the talents, but the things that God has left us, the inheritance, so to say, that we have is, is God's grace, uh, it's the spiritual blessings that He's given us, and it's God's word uh, that He's left us as well. So we have these things now to go and accomplish the ta- task that God has given us. And that task continue. Uh, continues the work that He began. It's not done yet. The ministry that Christ did when He was on this earth, when He was born and uh, grew up and then began to minister, that ministry is still active today. Now, Christ did the part about the, uh, the dying and the raising from the dead, right? We're not, we're not doing that aspect of the work. But the idea of the fact that Christ came, He said He came to seek and to save the lost, he came to share about the Father. He came to provide salvation. And that task, that ministry is still active today. It's something that he left to the church to accomplish. And we as part of this church have a responsibility to go out and share the gospel, have a responsibility to go out and share the love of God. Um, as Christ did not come to judge at that moment, it is not our duty or responsibility to judge at this moment. It is ours to carry on that cause that Christ came to save. And it's, us, uh, it's, it's given to us now to go on and share the gospel. You remember when Christ left the earth, when he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples a very simple task, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, um, Go into Jerusalem and Judea and the uttermost parts of the Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Uh, that's, that's a simple task, right? It's a difficult task, no doubt. But that's the task that was given. It was given to them and it's given to us to do. And I think sometimes as Christians, especially American Christians, we kind of fall into this lull, uh, into this rut. I remember as a teenager, <coughs> I had the opportunity to uh, work with horses. And at the, the property where we worked, There was two different uh, places for the horses. One was the stable, the other was the barn. They were the similar aspects, right? Uh, but every morning, uh, after our morning, uh, responsibilities with the horses, we'd take kids out into the woods and beat them. I mean, feed them. Uh, and, uh, we'd, no, we'd take them out on, we called it a cookout and we'd go out into the woods and, uh, we grilled out steak and eggs and hash browns. Oh, doesn't that sound good? And, uh, and then we'd get back from that. And then the rest of our morning was spent at the other barn as opposed to the stables. And so every morning we would take a couple horses. And we'd ride uh, from the stables over to the barn. And in doing that, there's a spot where we would ride behind what is called Cowboy Town, the souvenir shops and all that kind of stuff. And there was this ditch uh, you know, behind the building that would, you know, for drainage and things like that. And for whatever reason, every single morning, we would get into this ditch on the horse and we would say the lame joke, I'm in a rut. Um, and uh, the reality is, is we were in a rut. The same joke every day. Uh, the same, same, same path every day. All those kinds of things. But you know, in our Christian life, we get in a rut, uh, especially in America, because it's so comfortable in America. We're not, uh, we're not under attack. We are not, uh, not to the degree that most are uh, Christians in other in other countries. Uh, we're, not, uh, we're not being um, out of fear, you know, worshiping out of fear uh, that we might get caught or anything like that. And so in, in our comfort, in our rut of American Christianity, we oftentimes fail to actually put in the work that God desires for us to put in. A lot of times we'll say, well, someone else is doing it. I remember when I first became a pastor, uh, it was a very unique church, um, much different than our church today. Uh, but uh, when I first became a pastor, I remember someone telling me as I was encouraging the church to get out and evangelize, go out and share the gospel, someone said, well, that's the pastor's job. And, and it is part of the pastor's job, but it's actually the Christian's responsibility, not just <clears throat> the preacher's responsibility. And so we, we oftentimes will say, well, that's someone else's job, or someone else will do it. Uh, or uh, I'm not really that gifted in that area, I'll just let someone else do it. Kind of trying to play off as being humble, when in reality it's either lazy, or uh, at the very least just uh, a refusal to do what God desires for me to do. And so we see this, this parable given to us here, and I want us to learn some things from it. First of all, I want us to learn that every Christian receives a portion Here the the master gives a portion of his goods to three different people. And it's important for us to understand that our, if I can use the word master, that God gives us all a portion. He gives us something. In verse number 15 it says, Unto one he gave five talents, the other two another one to every man according to his several abilities. So every Christian receives a portion. God may not have given you the same as someone else, but He has given you something. God has not uh, given to you... He's given us all generally the same responsibility, the same command, the same commission... But in our individual lives, God gives to us things, whether it be uh, personality, whether it means ability, whether it means blessings, whatever it is. God has given a portion, His portion to you in some way, shape, or form. And you are in part responsible for winning the world to Christ. None of us, as Christians, escape that responsibility. Now, many Christians don't do the responsibility But none of us escape the responsibility. God has given a commission to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are in some way responsible individually for reaching the world for Christ. As a child of God, you're part of the family business. Um, I don't know uh, a lot necessarily. I know some about all of your families. But uh, when you think about inheritances... As a kid, when you hear the word inheritance, you assume that anyone who receives an inheritance is rich. Uh, The older you get, the more you realize an inheritance oftentimes is a pool table uh, or a book uh, um, or a china cabinet that you don't have room for or something something that is not making you wealthy Uh, in many cases. Some people, of course, do. But Christ... He, as part of, uh, uh, we as part of his family receive an inheritance. We all receive part of this inheritance. And so we are, uh, in, in a sense, uh, receiving the family business. And God, who started the family business of winning the world to Christ, passes on to us that responsibility. Christ came and he lived. And in his life, he was faithful. He was faithful in sharing with people the love of God and creating a way of salvation. And when he uh, ascended into heaven, now, like I said, that responsibility is on us. Now we are the so-called owners of the business. And it is our job to work. It is our job to, uh, uh, to accomplish what is intended to accomplish. You are now carrying to the master's interest. We are responsible to fulfill that which God desires for us to fulfill. Now, will we do it? That's the question, right? It's not whether or not you have the responsibility, it's whether or not you'll do the responsibility. And the reality is, is American Christians, I believe as as worse as any Christians in the world, fail to do the, the command, fail to do the job that God has given us to do. But we have to understand that Christ has given us a portion He has given us something so that we can go and do the job that he intends for us to do. Number two, I want us to see that every Christian will be held accountable. Accountability is an interesting word, isn't it? Kids these days don't seem to understand it. And I know I sound like an old man get off my lawn moment, but I believe it to be true. I've been around kids enough uh, that I realize accountability is something that is being lost in this world. I was raised to understand that all my actions, there was something that was going to, be, to happen as a result of it. Uh, if I did bad actions, I was going to be held accountable for it. If I did good actions, there would be accountability with that as well. But I was accountable for the things that I did. My parents never let me get away with, well, so-and-so told me it was okay. didn't matter. If mom and dad said it wasn't, and I did it, didn't matter what anybody else said, I was held accountable for what I did. We are going to be held accountable for our actions. Through God's Word, God encourages us. God corrects us. God warns us. And when we are not reading God's Word, we miss those things. When we talk about accountability, we need to understand that God, through His Word, shows us what we should be doing. He, first of all, does encourage us. If you're reading God's Word and you're doing what God desires for you to do, you're going to find great encouragement in God's Word. It's going to motivate you, encourage you to continue, uh, to, to keep going, to keep doing what you're doing, to keep having faith. If you're doing something wrong, if you're reading God's Word, it's going to correct you. You'll be amazed, but it'll happen. You'll be reading your Bible, and you'll come across a passage that that touches on something in your life that is wrong. It's going to correct you. And it warns you. If you're going to go throughout life and and refuse to follow and obey God, if you just so happen to be reading God's Word, it's going to warn you about the results of it. To those that are doing the work, comes the encouragement to those uh, discouraged by the results it gives inspiration god's word does and hope to those working on their own strength it, it reprimands and corrects and to those who are lazy it warns i don't know about you but i don't like being called lazy even though i admit that at times i am lazy it bugs me when someone calls me out on it i say someone my wife Uh, it it, it irritates me. And even though she may be right, it just gets under my skin. Don't call me lazy. And I name off all the things that I did yesterday and all the things that I've done so far to this point today Um, and and so on and so forth. But you know what? God's Word, if you read it and you're being lazy when it comes to following God, it's going to warn you. It's going to point out the fact that, that you're going to miss great opportunities, that you're going to miss great blessings, that you're going to miss great rewards. It's also going to warn you that in sin, you're going to go down a destructive path. Whether you're a Christian or you're lost, sin always leads to destruction. So the Bible is there to warn us and, and show us that we are going to be held accountable for whether or not we do the work that God Intends for us to do. Number three, I just want us to look at the story here, this parable. And I want us to jump towards the end of it and look at the warning that's given. In verses 24 through 27, it says, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that 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 is thine. And the Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury." The other guys, and we'll look at them in a moment, but the one with five talents turned it into ten talents. The one with uh, two talents turned it into four talents. Uh, But we see here the one with one talent, he buried his one talent to save it and to return it back to the master when he came back. And obviously, that's not what the master intended. As he said, if you knew who I was, the kind of guy that reaps where he sows not and gathers where he strawed not, then you should have done something smarter with the one talent I gave you. The, the, the warning that is given here, I believe, at least one of the warnings, is that we need to work, yes, but we also need to allow others to work. Sometimes in churches, we only use the mature Christians the ones that have been around a while, the ones that have been saved a long time, the ones that have studied their Bible for a long time. And, uh, and we kind of feel like those are the people who need to be serving. Those are the people who need to be working. What it hurts the growth of the younger Christians. You see, this, this one here was so afraid because he had so little. He was given just a, one talent compared to the other, to the others. He was so afraid to lose the one. That he did nothing. And sometimes in churches, we have young Christians, or and when I say the word immature, I don't, it's not a it's not a mean thing. Immature Christians meaning that there isn't, hasn't been a, a lot of growth in their Christian life yet. And we, we come across people like that and we say, well, you know, they're not ready to do this. And sometimes that's true. Uh, but other times it's, it's just where we kind of swallow them up and we don't, we don't allow them. We actually cause them to fear doing anything for fear of making a mistake more so than actually having growth. And this, this servant, he got this one talent and he was so afraid to make a mistake. He was so afraid to upset the master. He was so afraid to do something wrong that he just did nothing. Nothing. And the master says, you did wrong by doing nothing. Every single Christian is needed in the service of God. Like I said, we've all been given a portion, right? So we're all responsible for the the command that God has given us. So every single Christian is needed in the service of God. What is the service of God? Well, sharing the gospel, evangelizing, that would definitely be one thing, but that's an important thing. That's not the only way that we serve God. I was always taught as a kid, serving God is, is oftentimes humbling. Uh, I was always told that no matter who you are, you're never too good to clean toilets. I grew up at a Christian camp with lots of toilets. <laughs> a whole lot of toilets. And, uh, and, and I was constantly reminded I'm not good enough. Too good, excuse me, to clean toilets. Uh, So until the day I left uh, the the camp, I was cleaning toilets. And then I became a pastor, and guess what I did? I cleaned toilets. I remember um, we uh, we had an event. I I think it was an auction. Um, They were trying to raise money to start a school when I became the pastor of the church and. Um, so, they were having an auction, and uh, so we were setting up for the auction, setting up tables. And I remember carrying these tables and putting them up. We had a gym, and we were putting them up in the gym. And, and I just remember thinking to myself as I was carrying these tables, my entire life I've carried tables. And I really thought that when I left the camp, I wouldn't have to carry tables anymore. And yet, here I am carrying tables. Now, thankfully, they were light. <laughs> At the camp, we had the heavy tables. And once I left, they got the light tables. But anyways, um, so at least they were light. But I just remember thinking, boy, this uh, serving God thing doesn't change a whole lot. <laughs> it's, they're still, still kind of the same thing over and over and over again in many, many cases. But you know, serving God is just, it's, it's just getting involved. That's what it is. Uh, yes, we need to evangelize. That's an important part of our service. But it is the, the simple things, the vacuuming, the changing light bulbs, the mowing the grass, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the meals, bringing in food for meals, the teaching, the helping, the singing. All of it is service to God. And sometimes we kind of look at different things. and Maybe we look down on it. I hope we don't. But, but maybe we do. Sometimes we look down on things. Well, I'm not going to do that. Well, why not? Sadly, many Christians, they will bury the talent and do nothing versus serve. The Bible says that every branch is supposed to bear fruit. Uh, the work of Christ... If it's going to continue, we need everyone to do something. Christians are selfish. We, we look at our time and we get very selfish. We look at our energy and we get very selfish. It's funny, I don't know that I realized it until we moved here because as a full-time pastor in Indiana, I had it really easy. I talk with pastors even now that are full-time pastors that complain about their workload, and, and it makes me want to slap them. Um, and there are difficulties to pastoring, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of emotional um, uh, things, behind the scene things that, that go on that are very, very hard. Uh, but the, the the labor of pastoring really is relatively easy compared to many things. And so I get, I get frustrated with that. But, uh, but then I became a, a, a bivocational pastor. And I began to understand the workload better. The time load better of people in the church. When I pastored in Indiana, it was always a joke, but we'd have we had a lot of revival meetings. So either Sunday to Wednesday meetings or a Sunday to Friday meetings. And, uh, and we had four a year while I was there. And, and I would always joke with people about the importance of being there, even if it means quitting your job. Uh, and I was seriously just joking about that. But I did feel like it was important. If you could be there, I thought you should be there. And, uh, and so we did a lot of these kinds of things where, as a pastor, it was kind of part of my job to be there. And so it wasn't, you know, for me, it was, it was you know, if I went in to a revival service on a Monday night at 7, and it didn't get done until 8.30, Well, it really didn't affect me much at all because I could come in a little later in the morning. But the people who came that had, if I can use the term, and I hate to take down the job of a pastor, but uh, whatever word I'm looking for there, um, people with real jobs had to still get up the same time and be there. And as a young pastor, I was ignorant of it. And as a person who grew up in the ministry, my whole life was ministry. And it was hard work at camp, uh, really hard work at times. Uh, but still, the schedule kind of fluctuated with the ministry. Well, in a secular job, the schedule doesn't fluctuate with the ministry. I'm thankful I have a good boss, and he's very, very flexible with me. But, but more than likely, if you went to your boss and said, hey, boss... Uh, I've got church tonight at seven on a Tuesday night and, uh, and it's, you know, if it goes long, is it okay if I come in at 10 tomorrow, your boss is probably going to look at you and go, what? So you need a sick day? Uh, what, what you're taking vacation? No, no, no. I just want to come in a little later. No. In most cases, bosses, they don't, no, you're either here at the time you're supposed to be here um, or you get docked a day of some sort. But again, as we, as we go through time, we begin to get very selfish with the time that we do have. Well, if I do this, whether it's go to a church service, which we're going to have a revival service in November, whether it's that, whether it's, uh, whether it's just going to help do something at the church, whether it's serving somebody in the church or doing something at the church, we oftentimes will look at it and we'll go, well, but my schedule, you know, that just takes away free time. Um, I, I, growing up in ministry, there's a cobweb that comes here. How about that? Um, service, see? Um, the, growing up in ministry, I've heard the family excuse more times than I like to admit. Someone says, I cannot do that because it sacrifices time with my family. Now, understand, family is important. Very, 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 very important. A lot of times, people could serve with their family. But they don't want to. So they'll stay at home. And they'll use the excuse of family, which God sees through. God God loves you and your family. God wants you to spend time with your family. God wants you to invest in your family. Uh, God, God prioritizes family below one thing, God. And if we're going to sacrifice service to God to prioritize our family, we have the wrong priority. Now listen, in no way am I criticizing or anybody who, who legitimately needs time with their family. Please understand that. But I've been around people my entire life who can't help because they need to spend time with their family. Which if they helped for an hour, they would still have time to spend with their family. And God says, I have given to you a portion, an inheritance, a responsibility to serve. And yet many people end up like this servant who buries the talent and does nothing. And, and there's a consequence for that. Every single Christian needs to be serving God in some way, shape, or form. And failure to serve God is oftentimes caused by a wrong view of God. In verse 24, he says uh, here that, uh, um, uh, verse 25, I'm sorry, he says, I was afraid and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. He didn't understand, first of all, what his master wanted, but I don't think he truly grasped who his master was. Was he right? According to the parable, he was. He was right that his master sowed, uh, reaped where he sowed not and gathered where he strawed not, but he didn't understand why or who or the details of his master. And a lot of times when we don't view God properly, when we have a wrong view of God, we instead of serving God, we get afraid and we do nothing. I have the opportunity this year to coach basketball, and and I've told the kids already um, that I don't want you to be afraid of making mistakes. Because a lot of times what will happen as a kid, if you're running a drill and you say, I want you to do the drill this way, and the kid doesn't feel like he can do it, he cheats. And he tries to do it in a way that he feels comfortable doing it. But in doing so, he doesn't accomplish the reason for the drill. But they're afraid that if they mess up, well, then the coach will get mad. Or that he'll lose playing time. Or whatever it may be. And I've tried to tell them early on, hey, we just want you to do what we're asking you to do. If you mess up doing what we've asked you to do, that's perfectly fine. It's practice. We're here to get better. We're here to improve. And so if I ask you to do this this way, just do it this way. And if you mess up, it's not a big deal. We'll just try again. And a lot of times in the Christian life, God says, I want you to do it this way. And out of fear, we cheat. We don't do it the way God tells us to do it. We do it the way that we're comfortable doing it. To do something, if God's given to us a, a portion that we're supposed to do something with, we better do something with it. God gives you what you need. Ephesians 3.16 says that God will grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. You say, well, listen, the, the task, the, the service that God desires for me to do, and listen, I don't know what that is. I have an idea. I have an idea. <laughs> I have an idea. I don't know exactly what it is. But I know that God desires for you to serve. What are you going to do? Are you going to do nothing? Are you going to make an excuse for why you can't serve? If you're not serving God, you have a wrong view of God. You don't truly grasp who He is. As a matter of fact, the work that God gives produces joy. As we work and as we serve and as we do what God desires for us to do, joy is produced. Andrew Murray said, Unbelief is at the root of laziness. When we're lazy spiritually, when we're lazy to follow God, when we, when we sit around and do nothing in service of God, it is a result of some sort of unbelief. You remember the disciples on the, on the sea, they went down and they shook Christ and they said, wake up, we're about to die. And He, he asked them, why do you lack faith? Your unbelief. It's the same thing here where, where, where when we are lazy spiritually, when we do not serve God, the root of it is unbelief. Lack of faith. A lack of understanding who God is. When we started the church, uh, we had a, a goal to get people involved. And it's easier with five people than it is with 40 people. Uh, It's pretty simple to get five people involved. Uh, It gets much more difficult as the church grows. And that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. We still have a desire to equip people, to allow people to serve. Why? Because God wants us to. Being a part of a local church is not a club. Uh, it's it's, It's not just a social thing. It's a commitment. And and part of that commitment is service. Not to the pastor. Not even to your fellow church members. Although I think there is a commitment to your fellow church members. But ultimately it's a commitment to God. This church is in so many ways blessed by God. I mean just abundantly blessed. Over and over and over again, I refuse to complain about anything at the church. I, I talk to people all the time, and, and I use that phrase, I can't complain. Someone, if I'm having a conversation with a fellow pastor or friend, we're talking about the ministry here at the church, and, and we're going through different things, and there's been times where there's been harder moments and things like that. Anytime that I've said anything that I felt was somewhat negative, a hardship, whatever, I always say, listen, I don't mean to complain. I shouldn't complain. I can't complain. God has been so good to us. And He has been. He's blessed. But this church, it's not done. (laughs) We're not complete. God has given us a portion. God has given you a portion. And He desires for you to do something with it. God has given you an ability. He has given you knowledge. He has given you personality. He has given you opportunity to serve Him. Are you serving? God desires for us to do something with what He's given us. And God is giving us in this building, He's given us this church. We ought to do something with it. We shouldn't just bury it in the ground so that it stays exactly the same. We've got to go out and do something. And when we do, we see the blessings, and we see it here in verse 16. Starting in verse 16, it says, Then he which had received the five talents, he went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he had received two, he also gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and his, uh, hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants returned, he cometh, And he reckoneth with them. There's the accountability, by the way. I skipped that verse earlier. Verse 20, he says, And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliveredest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. You see this blessing as a result of doing something with what the master had given. They served. And they were rewarded. But then we see the third had received the one, and we read where he was afraid, and so he buried it. Verse 26, His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore have put my money to exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We see here the, uh, the reward of those who served, those who did something, and the shame of the one who did not. We all have an excuse for why we can't serve. Every single one of us. Satan makes it very possible for us to have an excuse. You're the one that's going to pay for that. If you use that excuse and don't serve, it's on you. Does it hurt the church? I could argue that it does. Maybe in the sense that the church could could do more or better or um, uh, be a blessing better if everyone was doing their part. But really, it hurts you. Because God still rewards the faithful. There have been times (laughs) where our church has been blessed, and it wasn't because of me and my faithfulness. Uh, There have been times where the church has been blessed because of Katie's faithfulness or because of your faithfulness. And I've sat back and thought, man, thank you, God. Forgive me. I want to be careful with passing blame. But did you ever think about what the Lord could do in this church if if you served? Ever thought about what the Lord could do in this church if you were faithful? If we all do our part, the things that God will do through this church, I believe will absolutely blow our minds. He is able, right, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. He does teach us that if we're faithful, He provides, and we're obedient, that He rewards, and that He blesses. So what if we all obeyed? What if we all said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, and then we actually do it? what would God do for this church? We, we have a responsibility to serve. How and, and whatnot. That, I, I don't know that I can answer that question individually for every person. But this church has been at its greatest when everybody's all in. Schedules, they get tight. I promise I understand. Sometimes the the work that needs to be done isn't isn't fun. I don't know about you, I don't like cleaning toilets. (laughs) Never have enjoyed it. I've had fun cleaning toilets before, but generally speaking, it's not fun. Honestly, teaching classes sometimes isn't fun. And not everybody needs to teach a class. Not everybody needs to clean a toilet. Not everybody needs to whatever. I hope you get the idea. But everybody has a responsibility to take what God has given them and to serve Him. We have prayed since day one of this church that God would do something spectacular. That this would not just be another church. But that God would use our church to do something special. And I've always believed that God will. What? I don't know. I honestly don't. But recently, I don't know why, that feeling isn't there. Not to say that it can't be there. Not to say that it won't happen. But it's kind of like we hit this plateau. The positive movement has kind of simmered. we got to do something. You say, well, what do we got to do? Whatever God tells you to do. It's not about us going rah-rah and charging forward. I honestly believe it's about us individually just obeying God. Getting back on track. God wants to bless this church. God wants to use this church. God wants to use us individually. I believe that with all my heart. Are we letting them? He's given us something. He's given us whether it's five or two or one, according to the, to the, the parable here, what are you doing with it? If you dug it in the, in the ground, dug a hole and buried it, go dig it out today. Go do something with it. If you've went out and you've, you've served God and you've, God has, has, has blessed, then keep doing it. Just keep on. Just be faithful. God sees it, and God will reward it. And I'll tell you what, there's, there's no more encouragement to me than knowing that. If I'm faithful, if I'm obedient, then God will bless me. And God will use me. And I desire that. And I'd encourage you today take whatever God's given you and go and do something. Don't bury it. Don't sit idly by in fear of what God might do in a result of a mistake or in fear of what God might do if, you, if, if you're not ready. God gave it to you. Go do it. Just serve God faithfully. And I believe God will reward you. And I believe that we, together, being faithful to God, God will reward us. May you say to Bible Pathway Baptist Church, well done, a good and faithful servant. Lord, I pray for your help. I pray that you would grow us. Lord, I pray that you would humble us. God, I pray that you would... Allow us to serve. I know we have reasons for why we do what we do or don't do what we don't do, but Lord, I pray that you would just be clear to us what you desire so that we can do what you desire for us to do. And God, in the areas where we've been faithful, uh, may you continue to strengthen us and help us to continue to be faithful. And the areas where we've been lazy, And God, would you help us to dig that talent out of the dirt and get to work? Lord, I know that you have us here for a reason. I pray that you'd help us to fulfill that reason. So, Lord, encourage us. Lord, correct us. Lord, warn us. Strengthen us to do what you desire for us to do. I pray this in Jesus' name their heads bowed